thoroughly desires to see another vineyard church planted in Fort Wayne, Indiana. His heart is to see a vineyard church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. There used to be a couple vineyards no longer. There's, he, he wants to see a vineyard church planted. He wants to be a part of that team that plants that church. So if your heart is Fort Wayne, Indiana, if you think you're moving to Fort Wayne, if you think ministry, God's calling you to do something within branches in Fort Wayne, you need to be, or within Vineyard in Fort Wayne, you need to be talking to Mike and saying, I want to be a part of that team because we, we would love to see a, a Vineyard church planted in Fort Wayne. There's not. It's the second largest city in Indiana, and there's not a Vineyard church spreading the kingdom of God in, in, in Fort Wayne. So, so Mike's going to come up and preach. I wrote up a, a, a you know, personal biography for Mike. Um, completely made it up, other than the first part is that he loves Jesus, and I know he loves Jesus, um, but the rest is, I just, I've, I figured Mike likes sunsets, and I was going to say that Mike likes long walks on the beach, but there's no beaches, so Mike likes long walks through the woods, and he told me that he actually likes to walk through the woods, so, so Mike's got a great message for us this morning, a great message about prayer. Come on up, Mike, and share with us what God's put on your heart. All right, wow, now I'm working. This is God talking. (laughs) Good morning. So now you know where I'm from. If you happen to know somebody else in Fort Wayne who's interested in starting a vineyard, you can pass along. It doesn't have to be you personally. But, uh, yeah, I really have enjoyed being out here. It's just been great uh, meeting Tom and Joe and, and all the rest of you. And well, I recently heard a story about a little boy. His name is Johnny. Johnny was a very bright little five year old, and he came to his dad, a very bright 35 year old, and says, Dad, I would like to have a baby brother. And his dad thought, Okay, Johnny, if you pray for two months really hard for a baby brother, I guarantee God's going to give one to you. So Johnny says, okay, I'm going to take on this project. And he got ready for bed that night, and he prayed for a baby brother, and he started praying for the whole month he prayed. But at the end of that month, he had started checking around the neighborhood, and he would found out, you know what, in the history of this neighborhood, at five years old, no one has ever had a baby because they, some kid brother prayed for one. So Johnny quit praying. But a month later... His mom came home from the hospital, and they invited Johnny into the bedroom where Mama had a a bundle right next to her. And Dad pulled back the blanket, and there was not one baby brother, but two. His mom had had twins. And his dad said, Johnny, aren't you glad that you prayed for a baby brother? And Johnny said, yes, I am, but aren't you glad I quit when I did? (laughs) Well, if you're like me, uh, you're not in danger of praying too much. But uh, I do like to pray with people who are passionate about prayer. They just, they, 
they say things I never thought of saying. They're just, they're in tune with God. They're on the front lines of the kingdom, pushing back darkness and bringing people into the kingdom through prayer. And I want to pray like that. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel like my prayers are lifeless, dull. I don't know what to say. Um, anybody like that? Or am I the only one? <laughs> So, uh, but the good news for us today is that we can have more passion and power in our prayers, and that is our big idea. We can have more passion and power in prayer, and that's what we're going to go home today to do, to get psyched up and, and be part of God extending his kingdom through us. Um, so, I want to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say to us about that. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 6. Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 6. And if you're looking for that in your Bible, uh, remember the mnemonic device, go eat popcorn. Go eat popcorn. Philippians, Ephesians, go eat pop. (laughs) Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Oh, that's great. I got that mnemonic really down good. So (laughs) anyways, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. <clears throat> so look at, let's look at that more uh, clearly. First of all, Paul tells us to devote ourselves to prayer. So repeat that first point after me. Devote ourselves to prayer and devote ourselves to prayer. Okay. Uh, Sometimes we we have to tell ourselves to press in. I get lazy and I get just stuck. And I have to say, hey, Mike, press in. God wants to hear from us. And... um, if you feel like you're getting lackluster in prayer or, you know, I'm just not a good prayer, don't worry about it. God wants to hear from you. Don't, don't be hard on yourself. How do I know God wants to hear from me? Well, Jeremiah uh, tells us, it happens to be 29.13, if you're taking notes, 29.13. Uh, God says, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So God wants you to come to him. He's inviting you. Hey, if you seek me, you will find me. I'm going to let you find me. So um, also in the New Testament, James happens to be chapter 4, verse 8, James 4, 8. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So again, God is telling us, hey, I want you to come to me. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So, and Jesus said in John 14, 13, um, he said, ask whatever you want in my name and and it will be done for you so that my father may be glorified. That's John 14, 13. So, 
Now we know we can come with confidence. God wants to hear from us. He wants us to seek him. He's going to draw near to us. And Jesus said, ask for whatever you want in my name, and I will do it. Now, the context of that is so that my father may be glorified. Now, I'd probably like to have a Lamborghini. I don't think that God is going to give me a Lamborghini when I ask for one. But here's something I did ask for recently. I said, God, can I uh, lead a Bible study for some Muslim people? And I've been praying that for a couple of years. Well, just yesterday, I had my first meeting with a guy from Chad, which is right in the center, kind of north of Africa, right south of Libya. And um, when I asked him, hey, would you like to do a bilingual Bible study? And he, his first language is fr- French, or that's his best language. And um, he said, yeah, actually, I've been reading the Bible in French. All right, here's a Muslim guy, and God's already at work in him to, like, be hungry for the Word of God. And so I asked God, hey, can I do a Bible study with somebody? And, uh, you know, the idea is so I want to lead him to Jesus. And we started reading through the Gospel of Luke yesterday. Um, so all that to say that, that God wants to answer your prayers. What, what's in your heart this morning? What is it that you want to ask God for? Or who is it that you want to ask God for? So keep in mind that if Jesus had come and died, if you were the only one in the world, Jesus would have come and died just for you. So that's how powerful um, your desires for God's kingdom, your desires for the goodness of others, your desires for God's blessing in your life. God wants to answer those prayers. But you might ask, why do I need to pray? God's in charge. He can just handle it. Well, the thing is, he wants us to be involved. Um, He wants us to participate with what he's doing in the world. And Jesus said, I do nothing on my own. I only do what I hear the Father uh, telling me to do. That's kind of a rough paraphrase. But um, uh, if Jesus had to go and listen to the Father and do what he tells us to do... uh, How much more do we need to do that? So uh, let's look at Daniel in the Old Testament. He was one of God's prophets, and he's the one that got tossed in with the lions. Uh, Daniel prayed once, and it took 21 days. That's three weeks to get the answer to his prayer. I won't read the story, but uh, basically God had sent an angel an answer to his prayer, and he got in some fight along the way, and the archangel Michael had to come and, and help fight this Uh, for this angel to come and deliver uh, God's answer to Daniel. That took three weeks. Sometimes it takes three years, and sometimes it takes a lifetime to get our prayers answered. But God is hearing your prayers. Um, When the angel finally showed up, he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. So he came three weeks later after Daniel started, but from the first day, God heard his words. So God's hearing your words today. He, he has, uh, he's eagerly waiting for you to come to him and say, God, I really need help with this. Can you bless this friend of mine? Um, 
so-and-so is in the hospital. God's already waiting for you to come to him and uh, wants to answer your prayers. Uh, once the apostle Peter got thrown into jail uh, for preaching about Jesus, and um, the book of Acts says the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So um, let me just read part of this story. Um, then the angel who had come to uh, get Peter out. Well, I'm a little bit ahead of myself. Let me just read this for you. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping before two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed She ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. So this woman comes to answer the door, and she's like, hey, it's Peter. And she just leaves and goes and tells everybody. So Peter's like, hey, open the door, please. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So that all happened because at the beginning of that story, the church was earnestly praying to God for Peter. What what prayers do you have hidden in your heart, waiting to come out, that that you need to tell yourself, press in, keep going, keep praying? Um, You know, that was some effective prayers. The angel comes and, and lets him out of prison. And uh, I don't necessarily always expect an angel to come and answer my prayers. But um, so, first of all, we need to devote ourselves to prayer, um, knowing that God wants to answer you. God wants to answer you. So, um, you might be saying, I just don't know what to say. Sometimes we get stuck and we, we don't know what to say, but. Let's go back to the scriptures and see what Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So after devoting ourselves, second, 
we need to be watchful. So repeat after me. Be watchful. Be watchful. Okay. Um, but what does that mean to actually be watchful? So I did a word study on the word watchful, and it actually means to stay awake. So uh, I think this one was talking to me, especially 10 o'clock at night. And dear God, thank you for this day and for your goodness in my life. And, and I'm out. <laughs> so, but I think I've got good company. Jesus went with uh, Peter, James, and John up to the, um, to the Mount of Olives to pray right before he was crucified. And he said, come on up and, and pray with me. And then Jesus goes a little bit farther and he's praying this really heavy prayer, God, if this is your will, take this from me. And he comes back to them, and what are they doing? They're out. They're snoring. So Jesus says, couldn't you, be, couldn't you stay awake? Couldn't you watch with me one hour? So if he'd been talking to me, he would have said, Mike, couldn't you stay awake for 10 minutes? <laughs> uh, but, so maybe my best times are in the morning to talk to God. Um, but being, being watchful, it's also like having our spiritual antenna up. So we, we ask God, God, what do you want me to pray for? And then pay attention to what thoughts he might bring across your mind. Um, or it might even be a dream that you need to pay attention to that might, maybe God's trying to talk to you about. When I had just finished grad school, I was staying with a friend in, in his house, and I had a room there. And by, about a year after I started staying there, he was going to get married. And he says, Mike, you got to leave. And uh, what I didn't know at, uh, then was, well, I kind of messed up the story. Two weeks before then, I uh, had a dream. And in the dream... I was standing at a mailbox, and there was an angle sidewalk, and there was a big guy with a big straw hat walking up toward me, and then I woke up from the dream, and I just knew it was a God dream. I don't know how. I just knew it, and I said, God, I've never been in that place before. I've never seen that man before. What was that? And so, and that's it. I just ended with the question, and uh, so then two weeks or so later, my friend says, you got to move, and I didn't. Uh, know where I was going to move, and I happened to find this little cottage behind a larger house, and I, I wanted to move in with somebody, another friend or something, and that didn't work out, and I didn't have a lot of money, so I ended up taking this little tiny place. It was really dingy, and there had been a cat there before, the, the woman who lived there before, and I'm allergic to cats, and they had shag carpeting, so it wasn't good. And I was sneezing and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, I was a little depressed. And then, I, so I went outside to get a breath of fresh air. And I'm standing there at my mailbox. And I'm looking down, and here's this angle sidewalk. And then the landlord comes up, and he's a big guy, and he's wearing a straw hat. Hey, this is that dream. God was telling me, hey, you're okay. I've got you. Don't worry about it. You're in a good spot. So then from that point on, I could just relax about having had to move and being where I was at. And so all that to say that maybe God might give you a dream and pay attention to it because it could be a God dream. But you may not get the answer to what it means until a little bit later. 
So all that to say, be watchful, stay awake, and pay attention to what God might bring to your mind. So what's the second point then? Be watchful. Okay, Paul goes on to to tell us, be thankful. So please repeat the third point after me. Be thankful. Be thankful. All right, so we got to devote ourselves to prayer, be watchful, and be thankful. So we certainly have a lot to be thankful for. That's probably the easiest part for me. God's given me so many good things. So um, someone said, two things I'm thankful for, family and friends and caller ID to avoid certain family and friends. (laughs) Someone else said, I'm thankful that I'll never get put in the nut house because my doctor says I'd be a bad influence on the patients. (laughs) Well, I'm sure all of us can name a lot of stuff to be thankful for. Um, for this church, a place to come and worship in freedom. None of us have to be afraid that somebody's going to come and you know, try to do something to us because we're worshiping Jesus. That's not true all over the world. Um, we're relatively healthy. We are warm and well-fed, and God's at work in our lives. So... Um, we're well into our prayer time when we can be thankful for what God's doing in our lives. And, you know, thankfulness makes us humble. It says, God, I can't do everything. I'm reliant on you. You're my daddy. And I'm coming to you. I love you. And so when we're thankful, all that stuff happens at the same time. It puts us in a good character position. So, fourthly, Um, Paul is encouraged us to pray for gospel teachers and evangelists. He says in verse 3, Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So please repeat the fourth point after me. Pray for gospel teachers and evangelists. Pray for gospel teachers and evangelists. So we see in verses, uh, these verses that Paul has a passion for the lost. He's in chains in Rome, in a, like under house arrest, um, being guarded because he believed in Jesus and was preaching it because he had a heart for the lost. So, um, you know, we pray for Tom and Joe and we prayed for the team that went down to uh, Baton Rouge. And, you know, that's praying for gospel teachers and evangelists. That's, we're bringing the gospel out when we help people, when we can pray for them and talk to people about Jesus. Um, but even when we're serving them, we're bringing the gospel, the good news. So in those verses, we see, you know, Paul's not playing around. This is a life and death situation, and it certainly was for Paul because eventually he was beheaded for what he believed in uh, about Jesus. So this should read how we color. Uh, this should color how we read Colossians, and people's eternities hang in the balance. Pray for our leaders who are taking the gospel to the world and to our neighborhoods, and uh, we, you know we also prayed for Tom as he went to Russia. And then we got to hear later how um, that had an impact on their lives. So, fourthly, we should pray passionately for God to work through those who are taking the gospel to the lost. 
So please repeat it again after me. Pray for gospel teachers and evangelists. Pray for gospel teachers and evangelists. Okay, and then Paul's passion for the lost leads us to another whole area of powerful, passionate prayer. And that is for us to pray for those who need Jesus. Paul tells us, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. So, let's uh, repeat this last point. Pray, Pray for those who need Jesus. And with me, pray for those who need Jesus. So I, I have uh, some Muslim friends I've been praying for that I met up in Chicago, and um, I assigned a finger to each one of them. And uh, so I've been praying for my friend Yusuf. He, I met him uh, actually when I went on vacation to France uh, in Strasbourg. I have, he, he saw me struggling with my bags, and he wanted to offer to help me. He said, hey, can I help bring your bag to the hotel? And I didn't know who he was, and he insisted, so I gave him the heaviest one so that uh, if you tried to run off with it, I could tackle him more easily. <laughs> so, um, uh, but we became friends as a result of that, and uh, uh, maybe you heard about all the difficulties that they had in Turkey recently. Well, he became a lawyer, and he was working in Istanbul, and lo and behold, the president of Turkey... Uh, put all the lawyers in prison who weren't of his party. Crazy. Well, he packed up and got out of Turkey and came to Virginia and calls me and says, hey, I'm in Virginia. This happened just a couple weeks ago. So uh, since I've been praying for him, a lot of cool stuff has happened. He says, hey, do you know of any vineyards in in Virginia? I'm like, no, but I'm going to find one. (laughs) So I called the a pastor at the um, some some vineyard near uh, Washington D.C. I said, "Hey, I've got this friend. He's Turkish and he needs a car. And you know, can anybody help him out there? And he probably just wants to make friends. Can you befriend this guy?" So um, I gave Yusuf their number, and, and the pastor had told me, "Well, just have him call us, and we'll see what happens." So um, you know, that's an answer to prayer. Um, Yusuf doesn't know that God's drawn him in. But, you know, I can kind of see what God's doing a little bit there. So that, that's one of my fingers. Another one of my fingers is um, Hassan. He's also from Turkey. And he just hosted me at his house when I was in Chicago. Unbelievable. Uh, just welcomed me in. And um, he happens also to be a lawyer. He also is not sure what his situation is going to be like in Turkey. But he's not a believer. And... Um, He's not a believer in Jesus, I should say. And he thinks that we all worship the same God. And I, and I told him once, I said, well, if your God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then we worship the same God. Oh, well, no, he isn't. So I, you know, it's, it's like moving him one step, you know. It's like, hey, there really is a difference. What is that important difference? So uh, I've been praying for Hassan. Lately, I've been praying for this guy I've been doing that French Bible study for, and his name happens to be Ali. And, um, and I've got a couple other, other guys. Another, my other friend, Watik, I met him at a French club in Chicago just to practice speaking my very broken high school French. And uh, he invited me to Morocco with him. And 
we were there to see his cousin get married, and that was just an amazing experience. And um, he recently got married himself. So now he's back in Chicago, calls me right away. So I'm yet to, I've yet to see, you know, what is God doing in his life? He hasn't said, you know, hey, Mike, how's it going? And by the way, can you tell me about Jesus? You know, nothing like that. But um, he's one of my fingers. So who are your, your five fingers? Can you give your friends a finger? <laughs> uh, or I should say, assign a finger to your friend. So you could probably name five people right now um, and pray for them this next week. Tell them what, um, what come back and tell us, what kind of interna- interactions have you had with them? So um, put their name in this passage. Be wise in the way that you act toward your friend. Make the most of every opportunity you have with this person. Let your conversation with the one that you're concerned about be always full of grace. You know, you're encouraging them. You're looking out for an opportunity to say something good about them. Or maybe, you know, God's going to work in your life. Seasoned with salt. In other words, you might want to throw in a challenging question from now and then. Hey, have you you ever thought about what God might want to do in your life in this situation? Um, So that you may know how to answer your friend. You may need to pray about and study for an answer to this loved one. So repeat this last point for me. Pray for those who need Jesus. Pray for those who need Jesus. So if we devote ourselves to prayer, we're watchful and we're thankful, and we're praying for gospel teachers and evangelists, and finally praying for those who need Jesus. We're going to be well into passionate and powerful praying. And so today as you go home, uh, think about at least one person you can pray for. Put them on your thumb. This is my friend Ali. God, help Ali know you. Make him hungry to know you. Um, Provide for his physical needs. God, help him to, um, that his dreams and plans uh, might match yours. So, would you pray with me? God, we want to be more passionate. We want to be more powerful in our prayers. God, lean on our hearts. Lean on our hearts so that we can be on the cutting edge of your kingdom and um, draw near to you as you're drawing near to us. And Father, we, uh, we pray for Tom and Joe, and we just ask that you would pour out your spirit on them. And when they talk to people, would they have a hunger for you, Jesus? Would you see the love? Would they see the love of Jesus flowing through them? And Father, for the friends that we're concerned about, would you move them one step closer to you? And we just ask this in the powerful name of your Son. Amen. This morning, if you have any.